I'm not going to take too long, but I do want to talk about, and it's continuing with the theme of the gospel of the kingdom. And after nine weeks, you would expect that we've covered everything, but the more you scratch and the more you kind of interrogate the Word of God, the more you study, the more you read the Word, the more you open your heart to the Spirit of God, you realize that we will never exhaust our revelation when it comes to understanding the gospel of the kingdom. And so, briefly, what is the gospel of the kingdom? 1 Corinthians 1, uh, to 1 and verse 22. If you have a Bible, turn there. Um, and this is how it goes. For Jews demand a sign, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. That's the gospel. The gospel is about the cross that separates history to a before Christ and an after Christ. That's what it's about. Next week, we're going to look at the power of the cross, the importance of the cross, what the cross represents, what the cross accomplished. But that's what we need to understand about this amazing gospel of the kingdom. It's about Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so, in us, accepting Christ into our hearts as Lord and Savior, putting our faith in Him, understanding what He's accomplished, the whole gospel message is about the power of God and the wisdom of God. And those two are the things that we cry out for. We cry out for wisdom to make the right decisions. We cry out for wisdom to understand the world we live in. We cry out for wisdom to just get some kind of insight into any kind of future we may have. But there's only one place and one source that is going to satisfy, and that is in God. And when you kind of elaborate the gospel, you talk about the simplicity of it, it confounds the wise. And when you read the reams of books that have been written by philosophers and philosophical movements through the ages, it's complicated. It's not easy reading. You wade through it. And, and it's reasons and, and logic, rationale, and thinking within thinking, and supposition. And then you have the message. Can it be that simple? Yeah. Jesus Christ loves us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus took the full punishment of our sin. And through his resurrection, he has brought new life into every one of us. Simple, simple message, but profound. And then, of course, the power of God. You know, you think of that. The, the power of God displayed on the cross. As Christ bore the full punishment, the power of God displayed at his resurrection. There is no power that we know and can manufacture that can overcome death. You know, we think about the cloning, that we, we eventually trying to do what they did in Jurassic Park. Read a little article, and they have found some DNA that they want to try and work with. We know they've cloned lambs, and they've tried to produce life. But they can't bring people back from the dead. It's not possible. We can't overcome death. We can't overcome um, those inward fears. We try and take substances to maybe allay the fear or postpone some of the pain, but it's only in Christ is there the power 
to transform entirely from what we were to something brand new and to have life and life evermore and not have fear when you face death. That's the power of God. The power of God in the cross, the power of God in the resurrection, the power of God that when it doesn't make sense and the world systems and uh, the very, I don't know, the, the issues of life, the storms that crash in on me, I've got a quiet faith and confidence in God. I can handle it. I can go through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear evil. I won't fear death because he's there with me. He'll guide me. And that relationship has a power element to it that we must not forget. It's not only wisdom but power. And so if we were to try and understand this gospel, the rule and reign of Jesus, the good news message um, of this kingdom, it's the doorway into every promise. This gospel was initiated by God's love. He reached down into mankind's heart and he expressed his love through what his son did on the cross. It's entirely a work of grace and it was motivated by God's care for us. It's the entrance into all of his possibilities and promises. It's awesome. The gospel is God's master plan of reuniting us with him. So through the gospel, there's no other way that we can be reunited with God. It's our new kingdom way of life. There's a new way of life. And he gives it to us through the gospel. And through this gospel, he promises a second coming, that he will come again, and all the pain and all the misery and all the suffering and everything will be sorted out. It'll be done. There will be a day of judgment, a day of reckoning. And in Christ, we're on the right side. And that's what motivates us to be missional. And there we get, for me, a, a very important part of this gospel is the mission that we've been called to. We've been called to apply this gospel. We've been called to proclaim this gospel. Wherever we are, every opportunity we get, we should be looking to help others with this. Turn in Acts chapter 20 to Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 29. I'm going to look at a, a narrative of Paul's kind of final words to the Ephesian elders. And when you read the passage, you realize it ends with this. They knelt on the beach and prayed and they, they wept because they realized that they weren't going to see Paul again. So I don't know about you, but if you want to kind of give your last few minutes of advice before you're not going to see somebody, you're not going to handle trivial issues. You're not going to be superfluous. It's not going to be, you know, don't forget to brush your teeth. You know, that usual thing that you hear somewhere. It's either your mom or hopefully your conscience and not your wife because you should be brushing your teeth. You're not going to kind of, you know, don't forget to switch off the lights. This is life and death stuff that he handles with them. And I'm going to read it and we're going to allow it to challenge us. Remember the topic is the gospel of the kingdom. Every aspect of what we see in scripture is about the gospel, about a revelation of Jesus. I love what uh, we heard lately. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom. This is our new way of life, is to make the main one the main thing. Isn't that cool? You've always heard, you know, keep the main thing the main thing when it comes to a life's purpose. But let's make the main one, Jesus, the main thing. Is Jesus the main one in your life? That's important. Now from Miletus, verse 17 he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time 
from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So it wasn't a walk in the park. Paul had opposition to preaching the gospel, to establishing churches, to challenging uh, the status quo of culture, etc. And then it says uh, in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and tears and with trials that happened, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Immediately we see the gospel of the kingdom is profitable. This gospel is profitable. It's going to change your life. And if we allow the gospel of the kingdom to transform us, we'll see that the current set of values that we're holding on to, the security in our own strength, our own ability, our, our own insight, as we give that up for the sake of the gospel, there's a profit that we encounter that will totally transform us. Way better than any self-help program or, you know, uh, somehow there's this thing of eating pure is going to equal spiritually pure. Sure, your conscience is going to be cool. You've allowed a few more animals to live. You've, uh, you know, got a lot of stuff running around in your body. Cool, that's wonderful. But I tell you, the only prophet that's eternal and of importance is this gospel. He said, I didn't shrink back from declaring. Let's not shrink back from the opportunities we have out there of declaring from house to house. Our houses should be filled with the gospel. Our public spaces should be full, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Two elements of the gospel that are important for us, faith in Jesus, repentance. And we're going to do that. don't know about you, but I repent on a daily basis. Everybody's jaws dropped. I can't see that. Their eyes got wide. I can't see that. You also, like me, are battling with some of these issues. And in Christ, we can repent. And we can express our faith in Him and grow. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. <laughs> Imagine if that was your understanding of what lay ahead for you. But for the sake of the gospel, we need to, like Paul, be willing to endure anything. But I do not account my life of any value as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel is God's grace. It's God reaching down to us, and without price, He gives us forgiveness. All we've got to do is accept Him into our lives. And I love that. That is my ministry. I want to testify of God's grace. And so when I impact others, when I connect with others, when I speak to friends and people, and to those of you here who don't know, it's God's grace. He's reaching down to you with love, encouraging us, encouraging us to take advantage of this gospel. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I, do, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The gospel of the kingdom is the whole counsel of God. In other words, every revelation of Scripture is an understanding of this gospel, and it's going to impact every area of life. It's not just so we can behavior when we gather like this, when you bump into a Christian 
in the supermarket and you know you're having a fight with the guy over there because there's no things on the shelf and you know losing as soon as you see him it's oh, praise the lord it's good to see you hallelujah kind of walk around quoting scriptures when you see one of the elders at the church now that's ridiculous of the church in the supermarket and so this gospel is the whole counsel of God. Submit your marriage. Submit your business dealings. Submit the thought life that you have. Submit every aspect to Him because the whole counsel of God as He reveals Himself to us is so that we can change into His likeness and image. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God when He obtained with His own blood I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from even uh, from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away after themselves disciples. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to the God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified important to understand that even from our own ranks, and we've seen it over the history of Cornerstone, is there are men and women who rise up and teach you that is not quite the gospel to get a following after themselves. Our desire is that every one of us is dependent on God. We don't build you into ourselves. We don't build you into a church system, a church membership understanding. No, this is it. We're serving God together, and our dependence is on God. We're not your mediators. Leaders are not. Leaders themselves need that connection with God as much as every one of us. And so our desire is that you grow in His grace and you understand this great inheritance to which you've been called. This isn't all there is. But for this brief time that we have, until we die, we have the privilege of serving Him and stand up for ourselves a great reward. And so all you have ahead of you is promise promise, promise. So I urge you, win the fights, apply this gospel, overcome, get your thought life, you know, handle business the way you should, get God into your marriage, get God into the way you raise your kids, get God into the way you treat your neighbor, and so on, and so on, and so on. I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities those who are with me. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said blessed to give than to receive. So in other words the gospel makes us productive and responsible. And so now that I'm saved it's not like well I'll just rely on God all the time. Yeah there are guys who have moved to other countries and they've been in places where that's all they could do. There were no jobs. There were no opportunities. But the gospel teaches us that I must do everything possible so I can be one who gives and resources, who gives and impacts others' lives. That's the whole missional understanding of this gospel. So it's not about slacking up and just allowing the Christian community to minister to you all the time. Sure, there are times when I come in, I need that ministry. I need that love. I need that impact. I need others to get around me. But the gospel teaches, get to the place where you can disciple others, help others, and give generously to others. Resource them. Show them the love of Christ in a very practical way. And so 
The gospel teaches responsibility. The gospel is, is all about understanding this love, this grace, this forgiveness, this heart, applying it, and then looking for ways to impact other people's lives with it. Being moved with compassion. Imagine that's the motivation for work. More times than not, the motivation for work is get the increase, get the promotion, get the influence so I can stack up stuff for myself. Because it's all about having lots of stuff. The gospel says, now go and work hard so that you have got to impact. I tell you, sometimes that gift opens a door and gives you an opportunity to speak about the love of God. But it shows, I want to be responsible. I want to be somebody that kind of the weight of what we are called to, God can rest it on us. I want to do that. I want to constantly be aware that my marriage is in a good place. Now I can reach out to others. You know, my, I've, I've kind of found out how to get victory. Uh, I've found out how to not allow my life just to spin wildly out of control and kind of click on the kind of remote and just watch anything. I've, I've learned some discipline. I can help others with that. It's all about giving. This is why we are concerned with the plight of the world as it is today. You know, we, many of us will commentate on the declining thing, the declining morals, the declining ecosystem. You know, there's certain species of everything that we're never going to see again. And you know, David Attenborough, the kind of the proclaimer of the gospel of green has helped us understand that very soon we're going to have pictures only. But we contain in ourselves the gospel of the kingdom. We should be proclaiming louder. Do you know there are people groups today that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And it should concern us. If people are that concerned that they fly from around the world where penguins got full of oil and they helped us wash them, you know, goodness me. You know, where's the balance over here? Our people in our area have removed every wattle tree from our copy. Those foreign invaders, dead now. But we've got a greater cause. You know that seeded over here? Just look around you. Please have a look around you again. Look at the people behind you. They'll be looking at the people behind them. <clears throat> they catch their eyes. You know that God, I believe in His mercy and His grace, would like every one of us be prepared to plant a church? Everyone. Every, do you know the gospel? Then you're prepared. And I tell you, we should think that way. And, and it's our desire to train everybody so that we're ready to go and plant churches wherever we need to. There are groups that still need to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And they are on God's heart today. If we were to honestly do some of what Bev said and start to talk to God in intimacy, those commissionings will start to come. And we'll realize, man, this life is not about receiving, it's about giving. It's about learning how to impact others, love others, and make ourselves available. You know, if you have any kind of professional gift here today, qualification, you can get into some of the countries where we as preachers can't. We can establish a beachhead so that we can go and see the gospel preached or you can be the preacher that plants that church. You see, church planting is not a program we do. That is the very lifeblood of what we're called to. 
And to know today that in several places around this world, churches have been planted is awesome. Because those communities have an opportunity to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. We heard about Nick and Shonai going down to Belito. And there are other areas that God has called us to. And we're going to continue to trust God for that. It's so that we as a people can be available to God to see lives impacted and disciples of Christ made. That's what it's about. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray in that way. Maybe pray this way. When is it my turn, Lord? And then don't go on and pray for something else. Maybe just wait for a moment and allow God to speak to your heart. And you know what I very well say? You know, I want you to support the next church plant by going, by praying, by giving, by encouraging. There's so many ways we can get behind the ball carrier. So many ways we can support what God is doing. But at least cognitively, I want to take note that the kingdom in its purest expression is about going. It's about expressing love. It's about loving like Christ loved. And so I pray that you'd help us become a, a people that realize the importance of giving, Lord. Giving generously to see churches planted, to see this world impacted. And I pray for all those that are here today that do not know you as Lord and Savior, that in their hearts right now, they would make that simple step and they would ask you to come into their lives as Lord and Savior. They would ask for forgiveness and they would receive full sonship. They would receive that gift of eternal life, Lord. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please, if there's anybody that would like to connect with us, a couple of elders and deacons will be in the visitors' lounge. We'd love to see you, have a cup, cup of coffee, talk to you. Any issue you want us to pray with, want us to help you with um, salvation, that's there as well. But we'd love to connect with you. Otherwise, enjoy your week.